1: Everything is energy. Manifestation teachers often say you attract what you are, not what you want. Show up energetically as your future self, the version of you that already is and has everything you want. The universe responds to energy, to the energy of your thoughts, emotions, words, and actions. So be mindful of what you're putting out there. You can train yourself to vibrate at higher emotional states, One of the most powerful ways to do that is gratitude. Be grateful for everything, including what hasn't shown up yet. That is where faith comes in. Believe you can have it. Believe it's already yours and be thankful for it now. Feel the feelings of having it now. Do the above and you'll begin a transformation from the inside out. You'll stop holding yourself back and start owning who you are. You'll unlock your potential. And you'll start attracting what you want. This works in every area. Some areas take longer because there's more inner work to get through. Be patient. Have faith. Trust the process. Valeria Telles interviews Sandra Possing, a life coach, speaker, and entrepreneur. Sandra Possing is a life coach, speaker, and entrepreneur. She helps people transform their relationships with themselves and create extraordinary lives they love. Living and traveling the world as a digital nomad, she has been running her business from her laptop for the past eight years from 15-plus countries. Meet Sandra at sandrapossing.com. Here's the interview with Sandra Possing.
0: In your own words. Who is
2: Sandra Passing? Sandra Passing is a speaker. She is a life coach. She is an entrepreneur. The entrepreneur label is a very important part of my identity. And she's also a digital nomad, early adopter of that lifestyle. Um, she's a massive empath, an HSP, an introvert, an absolute diehard lover of human beings.
0: How did you think we got here in a human body? Have you ever wondered?
2: Mm, you mean like in a spiritual sense? It could be in any
0: sense. Have you ever asked the question, which so many of us do, how did I get here <laughs> and what am I doing here? <laughs> but the first question is, how did I get here, really? That was for me, the first question I asked
2: early on. Yeah, I would say I ask that question a lot, and I'm—I've recognized that I'm the kind of person who I love being in the question, and I'm okay with not having the answers. Right, oh right. I consider myself a mm. very much curious spiritual seeker, but not someone who necessarily has to settle on any sort of um, belief system. And so I love, you know, reading different. The, the the spiritual work that I'm most drawn to is, I guess you could call it new age yeah. thinking. Um, I love the idea that we are some sort of eternal spiritual sets of consciousnesses that are taking time to dip down into physical reality and live different lives. But I also feel really good about having no idea and probably mm-hmm. knowing at least in this lifetime while I'm here mm-hmm. how it works. But I love Getting into the spiritual side of things, and I also love studying the quantum physics and the neuroscience side of things. And tr- I try to kind of sit in this balanced place in between a lot of the woo spiritual stuff and also a lot of very grounded and scientific reality stuff. Um, and I like not knowing, I think it's it just makes it fun and exhilarating, mysterious.
0: Is there anything that for you it's fundamental to know in order to carry this existence?
2: For me personally, and I would say it's also a part of what I guide my clients through and toward is knowing who you are and knowing what's important to you. So that's a big foundation of, of kind of how I live my life and how I coach my clients is initially the authenticity piece of who are you as your most authentic self? Who are you as your highest self? Or who are you aspiring to become? And that becomes like the foundation, I think, that's really helpful to ground us into feeling safe, to feeling at peace, to feeling relaxed into who we are, instead of all this running around and trying to be who we think we're supposed to be. And then the other piece is moving towards what you actually want and what's important to you. So I see so many folks struggling because they are creating their lives based on the shoulds and the supposed tos and chasing a bunch of things that maybe aren't even important to them. And so I love getting people connected back into their core values and their passions and purpose and what feels exciting, what feels exhilarating and playful and fun to you and building our lives based on those things. Because when we're in that grounded place of authentic authenticity and alignment, when there's congruency, like in who we are and how we're living, everything else just gets so much easier. And then from that place, I think we have so much more to give to.
0: I absolutely agree. That's interesting when you talk about knowing who we are. Yeah, I tend to go or try to go beyond that. And who am I? I don't even know. But then when it comes to the identity, what we like, what's attracting to us, then, yeah,
2: there are so many things. It's true preferences. Yeah. It's fluid and it's evolving. I think um, people sometimes get attached to certain labels or identities of who they, maybe who they are now or who they think they're supposed to be. And once they're attached to it, I think it tend, it's, it's limiting when we get attached to something. So I love the idea of this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm about. And I'm, I'm evolving and I'm growing and expanding and who I am and who I'm becoming may look really different in a couple of months or a couple of years and that's okay because i think such is the nature of the human condition and journey too that we are we are here to grow and expand and rise up and so our past selves we may be kind of constantly shedding layers of who we were even just 5 minutes ago because we're finding some new edge to lean into so for you
0: when you began that journey of finding more about yourself and having the courage to live a life that was true to you how did that begin what was the catalyst for that?
2: I would say it's been a kind of a long gradual process, but some significant points in the journey for me where in my mid to late 20s, when I hadn't quite found my career path yet, I think yeah. I was, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in career or the, the question of what, what am I supposed to be when I grow up question. Right. 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 I was intentional soul searching around that. And in that process, I think I, I gave myself the space and the time and the intention to find, you know, what is it that I'm here to do? What do I want to do with my contribution, my time in the world? And through that process, I did find my way to eventually coaching, which felt like just coming home to my own mission, my own purpose in the world. But along the way, I discovered a lot about myself and about what's what was most important to me. And then from there, it just kind of it was such a different feeling to be in a place of curiosity and openness and seeking rather than this one of judgment and why haven't i figured it out yet and trying so hard to be all these different things based on other people's expectations or my perception of their expectations yeah. so going from that who i thought i was supposed to be to who who i am slash just being open to what's coming next I felt like the difference between you know tension and relaxation or um, contraction and expansion, and once I kind of found my way into that, then it was like, oh, this feels really. Cool. Let's
0: keep doing this for from this point on. So let me ask you another question about yeah, twenty twenty. We went through a lot of changes and interesting events. For you, did something change? Did you gain any insights from twenty twenty?
2: Mm, I would say, for me personally, um, I was fortunate to already be working online for many years. By the time things started shifting and so i made a very clear decision right at the beginning of everything in the pandemic to see this as not a problem but more of a puzzle and not a, yeah. mm-hmm. a you know huge crisis but more of an opportunity so i was personally looking for how can i make the best of this how can i really um, use this kind of downtime to focus on what's most important so like for example my husband and i doubled down on our health and fitness Uh, because we were spending so much time at home anyway. And I doubled down really focusing on my business and streamlining and simplifying things and being able to take things to the next level so that I can serve more people and help more people. Um, And then it was really interesting to kind of look at my own perspective of how am I handling this and also look at it within the context of the collective. And a lot of what I was seeing was oh my gosh, we have so many opportunities here to really wake up to multiple different themes, to wake up to the incredible importance of taking care of ourselves and our health and how so many of our systems are broken. And each of us individually has the opportunity to do our best to make choices that you know are healthy for us individually and our families, but also help create a better system. And then on the collective, I was thinking this is such an amazing uh, difficult and tragic but also amazing wake-up call where oh my gosh we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of each other just health-wise same thing with the environment nice. <laughs> and same with just highlighting the gaps and the growth opportunities that we have like literally on a global scale collectively in our different systems and the way that we interact with each other and with our, with our systems, and how we treat the planet. So for me, it was like this is a really painful but really necessary collective wake-up call on so many levels. And you know, I know it's it's not necessarily my lane to be out there working on policy change and those <laughs> kinds of things. It's not my area of expertise. But I was excited about the shift, even though it's a painful one. And I'm a, I was excited about the opportunity on an individual level to just step up my game in every way possible so that I can contribute more and be a part of the solution more in the, in, my, in the lanes that are my lane, you know, which is mostly working with people to do the individual work to wake them up to their own potential and create lives they love so they can go and contribute more as well.
0: Does it always take suffering and pain for us to understand what matters and what
2: is important for ourselves and others? I don't think that it requires that, but right. I think that that can be one of the beautiful silver linings of any sort of pain or suffering or talent or yeah. tragedies. There is so much that we can learn from anything and everything that's hard. That's right. And I also think that a lot of us, um, what's the quote? I forget who it's by, but it's like pain Pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. And I believe that too, that life, life is inevitably full of pain and death and loss and all those things. And we have a choice how we respond to it and what we make of it. So I, I think of every every hard thing in our life experience can be seen as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity for being grateful for what we do have, for what we're learning, for how we're being challenged and becoming stronger. So it's like, it can lead to so much growth and, and and expansion, but it's also not necessary to go through pain in order to grow. I think a lot of us, that's the only way sometimes that we wake up to our own potential is by going through something hard. But you can also have, let's call it, you know, relatively easy life and still just choose to, with some awareness, use everything as a growth opportunity. So it's not like we require hardship to grow. But if we have hardship, we may as well grow from it.
0: It seems like it's not possible to navigate this reality in a human body without pain, physical, emotional, different kinds. But it seems like it's part of this. One of the things that I often think about is not denying pain, try to escape from pain and bypass that so we can kind of come up with this idea that we have learned something from a negative experience that we have not really felt in a way. It doesn't make sense, right, Sandra, in a way.
2: My favorite kind of silly metaphor for that <laughs> idea is that to, you know, uncomfortable emotions or uncomfortable anything. Yeah. It's so easy to want to run from that right, and, right. but the best way to get through it is to move through it or the what best way to get past it is move through it. So I love mm-hmm. the idea of a car wash where yeah. you yeah. car wash <laughs> car wash represents, you know, the, the difficult or uncomfortable emotion or thing that you're going through. And we're driving up to it. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I have the windows down. I have the sunroof open. I'm going to get soap in my eyes. I'm going to get slapped around by this, you know, yes. the, and it's like, that sounds, that sounds terrible. So then we try to drive around the car wash or we get out of the car and we try to climb over it because we're like, anything that I can do to escape or distract, me. like I'm going to run in the opposite direction. That We're just, and then it's going to find some other way to pop back up. So it's like, it's a car wash, fine. I'm going to roll up my windows. I'm going to close this and I'm just going to go through it because I know once I go through it, I will be spiritually and emotionally cleansed. Like it feels hard in the moment, but it's so much healthier and so much more empowering to go through the emotion. And then the more that we're willing to be with our emotions and allow them and allow ourselves to confront fears and hardship and all of that, then we recognize it's just part of the human journey and we become so much stronger because of it. And once we get through it, it actually just deepens our ability to handle stuff, to navigate things when we're, if we can be with our uncomfortable emotions, oh my gosh, we can do anything. <laughs> we, can, we can become unstoppable, if we can handle uncomfortable feelings. That makes me
0: think about also preparing, kind of somehow, not just protecting, but preparing ourselves for whatever comes. Do you believe in such a thing and become emotionally and even physically prepared for whatever
2: comes? Yeah, I think everything that we go through can be seen as, it's like life can be of uh, rites of passage or initiations. And every time we go through something that is challenging, I love challenging my clients and myself to find find the lessons, find the learnings, find the takeaways, and basically use everything for growth. Like talk about having a growth Mm -hmm. mindset. What if every single moment of every day, the good, the bad, the hard, the ecstatic, all of it can just be ways that we are challenging ourselves to expand, to rise up, to become more of who we we are and who we want to be and then inspire and and empower and take as many other humans with us as are willing to come along the journey.
0: Yeah, it's not being prepared per se. It is being open, isn't it? Just Mm. being open to it.
2: That's what it sounds like to me, um, listening to you. And there's a lot of trust involved in being open we are, as humans, so wired to be afraid of the unknown, and so most of us limit limit ourselves True. consistently, but if we're open and then we practice trusting ourselves with the unknown, then possibilities become in my opinion pretty limitless.
0: That is very much true and I try to navigate this reality the same way. I get myself in trouble a lot of times by being this way just open to whatever comes and but not at the emotional yeah the emotional level too of course it gets affected even at the physical level when I am around people that it seems like it's they have a lot of negativity held in their bodies in their minds and then a Automatically, I kind of absorb that, and then I have headaches after. I don't feel comfortable um, after, but not during. During the the situation, I'm okay. Everything seems to be fine. But then after, yeah, the body is releasing, trying to release that, and then even my emotions get a little out of place. So that's something that I'm working on now too, to see if it's possible to protect or work on that so I can be ready for Absolutely. Yeah, that's a kind of interesting thing that I'm working on too. Do you want to make any comments on that,
2: Sandra? I think those of us who are on the more sensitive side of the 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 spectrum of feeling things, um, whether you're an empath or an HSP, a highly sensitive person, or you know various degrees of sensitive, it. the the more sensitive we are, the more important it becomes, I think, to learn how to manage our energy. You can think of it as protecting yourself, or you can think of it, I think, just think of it as managing energy, because someone who's maybe less sensitive can put themselves in different situations, you know, chaos, whatever negative energies fly at them, and they kind of shrug it (laughs) off. That's true. Like that I'm like wow how do you do this magical thing? Yeah. But for me as an extremely sensitive person, I've learned that I don't want to uh, deny my sensitivity because it's a gift. It's one of my superpowers. It's what makes me right. a great bitch and other things. But I, it's really important for me to protect my energy in the way that I do that is by doing lots of radical self-care. It's by making sure that as an introvert, I get a ton of solo time, downtime, quiet time to recharge because that's when my battery gets charged. And it also looks like knowing when I'm in certain situations that You know, sometimes I can set boundaries, say yes, say no, when appropriate, remove myself from a situation if needed. But I've also been practicing because I want to be out in the world. I want to be around people. Mm -hmm. I want to be doing lots of things. And I want to be able to be around hard things without having to run away and recharge my battery all the time. So sometimes um, a, a, a visualization exercise I think can be helpful is to basically imagine like a huge force field that you put up around yourself. If for anybody who's seen the movie, the Incredibles, the girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> she put, I put one of those up <laughs> in my mouth. And I imagine that none of the negative energy or whatever. I don't want to deal with coming at me can penetrate the force field, but my love by whatever that I want to shoot out can. So it's like a one-way shield. I can shoot out things, but it oh won't come in and harm me. And that way I, I help <laughs> myself feel safe but I can still go out and be in the world and, you know, try to be a beacon of hope and light and fierce love wherever I go. Thank you for the advice. I just, um, I tried to
0: visualize that, right? This uh, creating the shield, right? Where I would like to receive too, because I love this idea of giving and receiving, you not just one way. But yeah, because of this sensitivity part, it seems like it's necessary to sort of receive less and give more. Hmm. Yeah, you made me think now. I am seeing somebody that uh, is an energy healer. Mm. Try to help me with that, balancing what you said, exactly that, balancing the energies, right? And talk to me for a moment about overcoming people-pleasing perfectionism and self-doubt. Boy, mm. I have done that for many years <laughs> myself.
2: Yeah, that is, um, those are three of my biggest ones. And probably, you know, the nature of this work, we often attract clients who are similar to ourselves energetically. Yeah. So, so many of my clients have... Um, worked through or are in the process of overcoming some version of that if just briefly on each one the people-pleasing thing one of you know I've tackled this from many different angles okay. mostly just recognizing that it's it's an unhelpful tendency it's a protection thing it you know makes lots of sense a lot of you know we all have different stories about where it may have come from in childhood and all of that and I think the biggest part is that it's not helpful, but also recognizing that it's under, understandable where it came from. So instead of bad and God, why am I still a people pleaser? I try to look at it with a lot of compassion yeah. and being like, okay, inner child, <laughs> I understand <laughs> that you created this protection mechanism to keep yourself safe as a survival mechanism and you know whatever you went through as a kid and this is speaking to all of us and our yeah. different variations of this so looking at it with forgiveness and compassion and tenderness and kind of telling my inner child that you are safe now you don't you no longer need to do that people pleasing to be okay yeah thing that really shifted people pleasing for me was seeing that ultimately when you are people pleasing especially the version where you're you're wanting so badly for people to like you to accept you that you want to manipulate their perception of you in order for yourself to feel okay and I recognized I was like that's actually manipulative right trying to manipulate other people's perception of me in order to make sure that they liked me once I realized that I was I just had this whole feeling of ew I don't want to do that and right. so right. that really helped me recognize when it was happening and start to shift into relaxing, letting go of what other people think and just committing to over and over practicing showing up as myself and relaxing into that. So that was a people pleasing thing. The perfectionism thing, the biggest shift there was learning about fixed mindset versus growth mindset and recognizing that so much of perfectionism simply comes from this fear of feeling shame a fear of if i fail i will feel ashamed and i will make myself bad or wrong or less than or i will i will see a failure as myself being a failure and once i recognized i was that i was like okay well that's very silly that's <laughs> yeah. not helpful at all mm-hmm. and Also recognizing the power of just taking imperfect action and always allowing yourself to be a work in progress. I am a work in progress. My projects I'm working on are work in progress and everything is learning. Everything is growth. Once I kind of got that into my brain, it was like, oh, okay. Perfectionism. (laughs) Forget that. Perfect is annoying anyway. Who would want to be perfect? What even is perfection? Like there's no such thing. All have a different definition. So that was helpful. And then the (laughs) last one, what was the last one? Self-doubt? Self-doubt, yes. Yeah. Self-doubt, I think recognizing that it's very normal, it's very human. We all have different versions of it, and that's okay. And then just seeing it again as a as a growth journey and seeing every, you know, every day, every moment is an opportunity to practice releasing that doubt and instead choosing something different. So it's a lot of practicing self-belief a lot of practicing self-love a lot of you know affirmations and recognizing and celebrating my strengths and my progress and again just seeing myself as a work in progress so that I don't need to doubt myself because I know that no matter what I'm working on my self-worth is not dependent upon my achievements so many of my clients their their entire identity is wrapped up in how much they got done that day or Um, how accomplished they are in their career. And so untangling that and seeing my self-worth as separate and then achievements and things, and that's just what you're working on in your life. And that's great. But you are worthy because you are, period, end of story. There are no contingencies. You just are worthy, period, end of story. And so the more I've repeated that narrative and really come to believe and I believe that for all of us. I believe all of us are worthy, period, end of story. And then what we do in our lives is just what we do in our lives. That has been incredibly important and helpful for working through the self-doubt. It resonates true to me when you say you
0: are worthy, period. We don't have to go, I'm worthy because, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, those self-defining yeah defining labels. And would you say that all these, what do you call them, personality traits, not really, people pleasing, perfectionism, self-doubt, what would you call them?
2: I would call those, uh, my favorite phrase for that is unhelpful tendencies. I'm not sure (laughs) may have been from Jen Sincero. Um, A lot of her language resonates with me, so I I find myself speaking her language. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: all these false beliefs, we can call it that too, they seem to be grounded in fear, based in fear. That's where it's coming from, my Sandra, all of this. And my question is is it possible to live without fear,
2: to become fearless? My personal belief is that I don't know whether it's possible or not, but I don't think we need to. And I don't think it's particularly healthy or helpful to live without fear because I think fear is a very natural part. I mean, it's so wired into us, and some of it's necessary for survival, of course. Most of our fear these days is not about physiological safety. It's more psychological fear that we're dealing with. And so I think the key is not to, you know, you see a lot of the kind of um, like the bro-y <laughs> type of mm-hmm. message. Like fear, be fearless, conquer everything, (laughs) limitations. Which fine if that's helpful to you, you know, go for it. I love a good like broy motivational speaker from time to time. But I think fear is actually this just beautiful kind of energy in our bodies, and we can learn to not be afraid of our fear, but actually harness it and use it. I often tell my clients when you feel Mm -hmm. fear recognize it, dare to go, you know, confront the scary monster in the corner in the mm-hmm. shadows instead of running from it yeah. where you'll always be afraid of it. Instead, turn on the lights, walk right up to it, look it in the eyeballs and be like, let's dance, buddy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Dare to confront it and then harness the energy. Let's say someone's afraid of speaking on a stage in front of an audience. They're mm-hmm. terrified. They think, you know, if I fail, if I look miserable, I'm bi- basically going to die. <laughs> right. I say take that fear recognize it's just an energy in your body Mm. strap it into an imaginary jetpack on your back and let that propel you into whatever you know message or or something that you're trying to do with that fear Mm. Uh, another great way to shift fear I think is so in the big leap uh Gay Hendricks the author of the big leap talks about how the energy of fear is very similar to the energy of excitement and fear is when you take away the breath and excitement is when you add the breath so if I'm about to get on stage and I'm, I'm, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm afraid of failing, I'm shaking, I don't know how I'm going to make words come out of my mouth. Yeah. If I remember to pause and breathe and slow down and breathe deeply, I can walk onto that stage, still feel the fear, but I channel it into excitement, into enthusiasm, into passion, yeah. into impact rather than letting it paralyze me. And I think we can use that fear to excitement kind of shift in so Situations. I talked about briefly off record about
0: this today to you. It was the um, the blog post. What if you trusted yourself completely? Question mark. I absolutely love that question. And but my question is, how far can we go? How how far have you have you been? Like for you, was it possible? It became a reality to fully trust in yourself.
2: It's always a journey, I think, and even yeah. if we think we fully trust ourselves, I'd say there's probably more room to go, but <laughs> I'm true. on the journey with everything. I never really think there's a destination. If there's a destination, it's just there to give us something to aim at, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the journey that's so rich and... Mm-hmm. What I see is that most of us, based on our conditioning, our programming, and just the world we live in, we are taught to not trust ourselves. We are taught to live our lives from the outside in. We're taught to look at, oh, you know, the beauty industry and advertising and all these products and services and the news and everything tells us, you can't trust yourself. You need this thing. You can't trust yourself. You need this car, this makeup, this whatever it is. Yeah. You need other, you need us to control you and tell you what to do. And so- you know, how are we supposed to learn to trust ourselves? It's really hard. So what I like to do is kind of flip that whole paradigm on its head, and very gently and slowly and gradually take people on the journey of looking less externally for the answers and looking, mm-hmm. starting to trust themselves, starting to look within, starting to recognize that they have so much intuition and you know gut sense and answers within. But it's also hard to distinguish in the beginning. Often um, I like the metaphor of. The fear or the ego or the external conditioning or all of that other noise is like a toddler standing on a step stool with a megaphone screaming <laughs> in your ear. Yeah. It's really hard to turn down the volume of that if you're not used to it. And then your intuition is like amazing grandma sitting in the corner and she's whispering to you. But how are you supposed to hear her if you've got a three year old screaming in your ear? So yeah. it's like we've got to turn down the dial. our conditioning, on our fear, on our ego, and slowly start to like creep over to grandma, put our ear close to her mouth, listen to her words of wisdom. That's Mm -hmm. our intuition. Our intuition is quiet. It's Mm -hmm. calm. It doesn't speak over anyone else. And so that's a process. And over time, the more we shift, the more we get quiet, the more we slow down, the more we start to hear that part of our inner wisdom. And the more we listen to that, then the more we start to trust ourselves. And the more we start to trust ourselves, the more we can relax <laughs> and the more fun we have. And the That's more we succeed. I think most of us are, you know, we're following what we think we should do. Yeah. But once you start to lead with your own desires, mm-hmm. and I mean like, you know, selfish desires, like I just want to lay on the beach and drink margaritas. <laughs> You're like, over that after about two weeks you know right but right desires like the desire for the kind of person you want to be the life you want to have the way you want to interact with other humans the impact you want to have how you want to lead how you want to leave a legacy you know those desires are like gold once you can listen to those mm. real magic starts to happen mm.
0: Oh, my God. I love your wisdom, Sandra. I love the way you speak. It's, uh, it's poetry to me, <laughs> <laughs> too. It's beautiful, the metaphors. And, and you're a lot of fun. Um, like in your, in your voice, just peaceful, meaningful fun, spiritual fun, I call it, too. Thank you so much for sharing who you are with us. It's really beautiful. Thank you. It's my Joy. Thank you. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything that we didn't speak today?
2: I just want everyone to know if I'm giving a message directly to the listener, please know that you matter. Please know that your voice matters. Your desires matter. Your goals, your dreams, all of those things. I believe that all of those dreams and desires are there for a reason. And it's... It's okay. It's safe to trust them and just start small. Take one little step at a time and dare to have the courage, because it really is an act of courage. Dare to have the courage to start to follow what's true for you, to speak your truth, to hear your truth, and to go forward in a way where you know that you matter. I really
0: thank you for your, uh, not just the message, but the presence too, both the presence and the message. They just uh, complement each other. What do you love most about being in a human body and what has been challenging for you?
2: I love most about being in a human body is the the incredibly weird stuff that we are capable. 40 years old and I spend a lot of time being in my body, like not just working out and going on adventures and doing outdoorsy things and crossing yoga but I also spend a lot of time with my friends having like wild dance parties where yeah. you know sometimes we are half naked by the end of the night or <laughs> full <of laughs> naked, night. and just like being basically being five-year-olds or being like wild creatures in the forest and to me as a especially as an, as a, as an adult <laughs> as a 40-year-old you know, to like crawl around on furniture and make my body look like gargoyle or some kind of <laughs> Line, I find myself crawling around on all fours a lot. <laughs> to that primal part of ourselves, which yeah, yeah. in modern life I think we've gotten way too rigid. We take so ourselves true. way too seriously. So we sit, and walk, and we like use an elliptical, and, and that's so true. Moving our bodies in like free and fluid ways is really important. Yeah, I think the true. hardest part sometimes is just accepting limitations, accepting that we are, you know, we're we're not invincible. Um, <laughs> I've had injuries here and there that have been wake like, Oh, I, you know, my body's incredible. Our bodies are amazing. And I have to treat it with some care and some oversight because, you know, it can break.
0: I love your presence. I love the way you express yourself. It's really beautiful uh, and fun. Two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving or losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way?
2: Mm, I'm basically living my dream life on a small scale. So I would just, I would do more of what I'm doing, but I would perhaps be more bold, more, more unapologetic. And my last question is what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of this moment? I know for sure that there is so much there for us, if we're willing to be open, to be curious, that it's, it's, If we're open to the growth and learning, we will have our minds blown. Um, I know for sure that the human experience can be absolutely ecstatic and exhilarating. And I also know that most of us are limiting ourselves. And my wish is for all of us to dare to limit ourselves a little bit less and to experience a little bit more aliveness because there's so much there. And number three... I know for sure that we do best when we work together and when we support each other. And that collaboration is so much better than competition and comparison. Thank you so much again, Sandra.
0: Where can we find more information about you, your work, services, products, and future projects?
2: Yes, so I'm very easy to find because I'm the only one of me. So you just type in my name, Sandra Possing, into the (laughs) internet and you'll find all my things, my handle at Sandra Possing, same on all the social media platforms, website, sandrapossing.com. And I love connecting with people. So feel free to hunt me down and send me a (laughs) message on any of those platforms. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye for now, Sandra. Bye.
1: for listening. To learn more about Sandra Possing and her work, please visit sandrapossing.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.